Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. This is Thunder and Lightning here now, on Super Talk Mississippi. get ready Brian for Haydad, Thunder and Lightning. Or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a cup of uh, delicious Strange Brew Coffee. So many great drinks to choose from. And if you're not here in Starkville or in Tupelo, it's easy to get Strange Brew Coffee. Just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it. Order it online. It can be there very, very soon, and you can be enjoying that. And this holiday season, that makes a great gift for whoever in your life likes coffee. Get them some strange brew coffee. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com. This holiday season, when you're looking for maroon and white merchandise, you want to shop at the biggest and best selection of that in the central Mississippi area, and that's College Corner. Collegecornerstore.com, all the great MSU stuff you're looking for for your home, for yourself, for your car, whatever it is. They've got you covered there at College Corner. Humble Taco is Starville's newest and best Mexican restaurant, Mexican fare with Mississippi roots. It's a place like nowhere else. There's a mo- it's the most unique Mexican restaurant, I would say, in the state of Mississippi. It's different, and it is awesome. Next time you're in Starville, make sure that you've got Humble Taco on your to-do list. You won't regret it. Get out there, grab a margarita, grab some chips and salsa, and grab some great tacos at Humble Taco. This holiday season, if you're looking for something different to bring to the Christmas party, how about a Firehouse Subs Party Platter? Those are a great addition to any Christmas get-together. Everybody loves them. And if you're looking to make your lunch decision really easy, go with Firehouse Subs. They've got locations in Starkville, Oxford, Columbus, Tupelo, Flowood, and Madison, and they can make it easy for you. Download the free Firehouse Subs app, order your sandwich, walk in, walk out, and of course with that app, you're going to pile up the reward points and you'll be eating free sandwiches before you know it. So make sure you download the app and enjoy a great lunch at Firehouse Subs. It is Rumblings Day, Robbie Falk. Yes, it is. So hopefully, uh, you know, while we're doing the rumblings, no more coaching circle news will break. I, that was yesterday when you when we did the coaching carousel thing. That's my one uh, concern with it is that it's possible that by the time the show airs, everything is wrong or everything has changed. And that's sort of what happened to us with, with LSU bringing Brian Kelly uh, to the fold, how much would you pay of your own money to get this? I have a rumblings question for you. How much would you pay of your own money to go to a, the first crawfish boil with Brian Kelly? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? They they seem to be going after these coaches with kind of Midwest, uh, northern backgrounds. That's the guys that have had seems like the most success. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, I mean, really, he, they don't really fit in. Like they, they got the guy that fit in, and he was he turned out to be a disaster in the end. Although he did win a national championship, but uh, they got the guy that was one of their guys, and that only lasted like a few years. But he also got one, a national championship. Yeah, I mean, which proves anybody can win a national title. There it seems right, right. It's like there's there's a there's a pressure to doing it right. Like, hey, the last three guys won a national title. That's what we expect from you. 
But at the same time, if Ed Orgeron and Les Miles can do it, it feels like anybody can do it. So right. We'll see how it goes for him. We'll see how it goes. All right. Let's jump into these questions. We've got one from Depressed Dog. Oh, it's too bad. Well, why depressed? Why? 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 Because he cheers uh, for Mississippi State. Uh, you might be right. How come when Dan Mullen phoned it in coaching the Egg Bowl and left uh, Mississippi State for Florida, angry State fans were told to be grateful for the time you had with him, while Sooner fans are being praised for their anger when Lincoln Riley did basically the same thing? Who's who's praising the Oklahoma fans? I don't know. I, I'm not seeing that. Couldn't tell you. All right, I guess we're moving on. I, I would say that the answer to that is, though, nationally, Mississippi State fans are going to be, always be told, like, hey, you, you guys, you want you had a winning season. You should be happy. Whereas Oklahoma fans be like, oh, my gosh, who would leave Oklahoma? So, Well, it's never happened there before. It's, it's happened right. to Mississippi State many times. And it is obvious it's never happened there before when you look at the reaction of their fans. they yep. People talking about, is it illegal to, to flip recruits? what kind of like have you not been paying attention to the sport the last you know 10 years got dan wolken writing articles about how the ncaa has got to step in and create a a a window where you can hire coaches guys signing day is in two weeks you got dan Dan wolken dan wolken has just got to go cover something else football is not for him you know I don't want to go too down far down the Dan Wilkin road, right? Because um, we all have to admit, when he was crushing Ole Miss during the NCAA investigation, we all loved it. But it's obvious he's an equal opportunity antagonist. But for a guy whose job title is cover college football, A, he doesn't seem to enjoy college football, which, I mean, I, I feel like if you're going to cover something, you should. I can't tell you the number of times where he's been covering something or like something's going on, right, in college football. And he's watching tennis. Yeah. It's like it doesn't make any sense. It's almost like he's just a troll at this point. It does. It feels that way very much. On a scale of one to ten, how worried should MSU fans be about the leached Oklahoma rumors? I would say one. Yeah, that that's not gonna happen. If that happens, they've missed on literally everybody. I don't see them hiring him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that hundred percent. All right, let's move on. Um uh, Carter Bentley asked, do we subscribe to the theory that Kevin McAllister became Jigsaw? Also, his dad is definitely in the Chicago mob. The, the, the mafia thought process behind that has always been interesting to me, that Kevin McAllister's dad could afford a house that looked like that, basically like an eight-bedroom, two-story mansion, and had enough money to pay for his entire family to go to Paris for Christmas. So I get that. I get where the whole underworld connection is. But I, I have never seen the one about he grew up to be Jigsaw. Makes sense, though, right? I haven't either. But, yeah, I mean, it, obviously he had some demented things going through his head mm-hmm. at the time, at that stage in his life. And uh, I can only imagine what happened as, as time started to uh, move on for him. But um, what's the trauma of being left not once but twice by his family? Yes, I mean that, that's something that would stay with the kid. I think there, there's a new home. There's a new Home Alone on uh, Disney Plus. I've heard that. Yeah, that I watched the other day because I was thinking, you know, I got I'm trying to keep my daughter busy. Let's get like a nice family Christmas movie. The kid on there is just 
completely unlikable. The new Kevin. Really? He's like British. Um, and he's just, uh, you know, he's just really unlikable. Uh, there's something about him. Like, it's just uh, like, I didn't understand how I'm supposed to be cheering for this kid. And like the, the premise of it is like this guy feels like he had a family heirloom taken from him or he did have a family heirloom taken from him and he blames the kid for it. So he's trying to go to the house to find the, find it from the kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm kind of cheering for this guy and not the kid. I, I didn't understand um, the 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 booking there, but um, you know, it is what it is. I liked I liked Kevin, but I I could see yeah. that I could see Kevin turning into this yeah. psychopathic uh, serial killer that sets these uh, booby traps for people that you know are pretty much. I I, I like where, I like where we're going with that. I would like to see a prequel. Something between Home Alone and the first Saw that was like his breaking point. I want to see what well, you know, it was. You know that um, Macaulay Culkin is uh, he, he's in the new American Horror Story. Is he? Ah, yeah. okay. We can work that out then. Yeah, he's like a he was like a meth head on there. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? I can't believe it. <clears throat> his brother is on Secession. Have you seen Secession? You need to watch that. Okay. You would really, you would really like that. I got some friends on top of you. I got some other friends that are into that show. I need to start watching it. It, it apparently is right. Apparently, the old man is just the crankiest, yes, angry person ever. So I'm sure I would relate to him. You would very much enjoy it. It's actually considered a comedy, but it's it's more like a drama. It's really good. All right, I need to check it out. I'll, I'll put yeah. it on my list. You got to watch it. All right. Kivas Wright wants to know who we want to see be the head coach of LSU. Obviously, this question is a little dated. If we could have picked anyone to plop in there, who would it have been? Uh, Dave Aranda. Oh, I thought we were going to be funny. I thought we were. Gonna, I thought we were going to have oh. fun with it. Dave uh, Aranda would have been great serious choice. here. I, I don't. I don't want LSU to win. I, I wanted LSU to come back and say, you know what? Come back over here, Ed. You big. You big glute. Big lug. Get over here. We 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 can't we can't live without you. We can't we we can't. So. I, I was expecting that to happen, by the way. They, they just said, like, no, we absolutely cannot allow this to happen. They screwed it up with less miles, and this time they got it right. I agree. All right, Rob Hathaway's got a bunch of questions here for us. Disregard if this was covered on Tuesday's show, but who gets and who doesn't get coffee from last weekend? We didn't do coffee as for closers last weekend. Um, for MSU. <sighs> Wide receivers. Wide receivers, yeah, or just receivers. I mean, you can't drop that many balls. And technically, uh, Jaquavis Marsh is running back, but yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We just put them all, we'll lump them all together. Um, in the SEC, it's got to be Texas A&M, right? Sure. I mean, they they just blew it. They blew a, a late lead, and once again, I mean, they pay nine and a half million dollars to go eight and four. Uh, and then nationally, how could it not be Ohio State? Right? Got to be the Buckeyes. Getting handled like that. I mean, that was embarrassing. Well, and it, I mean, that was on the road, and Michigan's pretty good. It but is, but when you've got, they've owned. Yeah, when you win, what? I mean, they won like 10 straight, right? Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. They had the last, the last team to beat them had Denard Robinson on them. Yeah. Then would that have been uh, the year before Urban Meyer? Luke Fickles one year as the interim? That's yes. probably correct. Yeah. So, 
All right, uh, another one from Rob Hadaway. Why does Leach's record against Big 12 Texas rival rivals get ignored in the Leach and rivalry games discussion? 10-0 against Baylor, 7-3 against A&M, 2-8 against a Texas team that lost 13 total games in his Leach's tenure. I don't know about you, Robbie. I think the reason it doesn't get discussed is this. Who is Texas Tech's rival? Who is the team where like Texas Tech fans are just like, we have to beat them? I hate those guys. I mean, I I, I have trouble believing it's ba- it was Baylor in the mid two thousands. It wasn't during that time. It was, I guess, Texas. Okay, and I get that. that I mean, that Texas team was great. So I mean, if he got two wins out of their thirteen that they lost, he's got almost twenty percent of their losses. Right? I get that. There were no true rivalries. That's yeah. why you just. That's why you basically talk about. You right. know, the Apple Cup is a rivalry game. Yeah. The Egg Bowl is a rivalry game. Um, and he was still 2-8. and eight. I mean, I know Texas was really good, but he was still 2-8. and eight. Yeah. I mean, that's nothing to really brag about. I was having this discussion yesterday, and somebody was calling me out on the board about it. Like, I don't know where Texas came into the discussion or why we're trying to prop that game up when they just got two wins anyway. But. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I don't, I don't know the thought process I don't. I can't get behind here, that thought process. Here, here, here's the bottom line with this rivalry thing. The bottom he line is, is this: he is not going to get a chance to go one and seven. No, like he did at the Apple Cup. I don't think he's going to get so a chance he, to go zero and five. I mean, I mean, we can we can try to dismiss that all we want to, but right now the fact of the matter is he's zero and two, and if that continues to happen, it's not going to continue to happen. At at zero and three, let's say he loses next year. There's going to be a conversation like they're playing. The game will be in Starkville in 2023. You best win that game. Yes, you cannot continue to lose this. Right. I mean, well, we we can we can try to make light of it and make act like it's not a big deal. But mm-hmm. and, and right now it's not a really big deal. But I'm just putting that out there in the universe for yes. whenever people start to get really angry. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, uh, Corey Hale asked. <clears throat> excuse me. Do you think teams in the West are at a disadvantage for hiring top-tier coaches because they know they'll be competing with Alabama every year? What team in the West doesn't have a top-tier coach right now? Okay, Auburn doesn't. But Harson's resume was good. Pittman doesn't really count as a top-tier guy, but he's obviously a great coach. Then you've got Jimbo, Brian Kelly, Mike Leach, and Lane Kiffin. Those are all top-tier coaches. What are you talking about? Yeah, I think I think it does scare away a certain type of coach. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer, um, Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley, guys like that that are that, and maybe not scare away is the word or mm-hmm. the phrase, but they're just they're smart. <laughs> I mean, they just, I mean, Brian Kelly. It feels like at, at some point it's going to end badly for him. Mm-hmm. He might be really successful there, but. More than likely, he's going to get fired. You have a fifty percent chance of that. Uh, so, I mean, it, your chances are probably greater to last longer at a place like USC than they are at LSU mm-hmm. when you have to compete against. Not only my point is always you're not only comp- competing against Alabama, who's already tough enough to beat. You're competing against five to six other teams that are capable of beating you. Yeah, those are the teams. All eligible this year. Those are the teams that get you fired. When you lose to those teams consistently, when you lose to Auburn, when you lose to A and M, MSU, Ole Miss, which is likely you can lose to all those teams. Um, 
it, those are the teams that get you fired. Okay. The SEC is a brutal place. You're not wrong. The bearded man with a fish asked, with all of the Oklahoma turmoil, are there any of their recruiting commits or targets with potential state interest? I doubt that. But it does break, raise a larger question. There is so much high-end turmoil. We're talking about USC, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida, Notre Dame now. If ever state was going to find a five-star who's just like out there looking for a home, this might be the year to do it, especially if like a receiver. When you think a receiver will look at Mississippi State and say, catch a lot of balls. He could. Um, you know, it's kind of a crowded room. It's getting kind of crowded. It's never too crowded for a five-star. That's true. Um, they offered a guy yesterday, a four-star offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. I, I doubt they make any traction there, but at least you try. There's going to throw there's their offer, be, see what happens. There's going to be some kids this year that wait until February. That everything they want to see that how the coaching carousel finally settles up, and those are some kids that state can maybe make a play with late in the process. Is what I would say. We'll see. Yeah, uh, bearded man with a fish also asks: Are you guys aware of any transfer portal hits the football team might take this offseason? No names yet, right? But they're going to come. Yeah, they'll have some. And a lot of people are asking for names. But I'm not I'm not going to give any names until that becomes official. Yeah. But um, you know, there's 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 always going to be attrition at this stage in college football. And I expect some to come. And we haven't seen anybody transfer from Mississippi State in a month. So it's been kind of quiet over the last few weeks or so, but I, I expect that to pick up pretty soon. Yeah, I, and, and this is something, you know, people are going to ask, do you expect transfers? Guys, I expect transfers from every program from now until the end of time. Yes. This is the way going forward. Uh, Micah Halfacre asked, this year who were the most improved, the new co- best newcomer, and the defensive players of the year, in your opinion? Who was most improved? It's got to be Will Rogers. That's not even a contest, is it? Uh, Jet Johnson may be up there. You can make I don't think argument. anybody was expecting him to play at all. While you're, while you're correct, I mean, Will Rogers, you can make a strong case to be first-team All-SEC quarterback. He's not going to win it, but you can make the I, – I, I would go Rogers. Johnson is a, is a solid number two, in my opinion. What about for you? Who's the newcomer of the year? McCoppole. Again, not, not a question. Yeah. And then defensive player of the year. That might be a little more tricky. Um. A couple of the most valuable players on defense would probably be uh, Tyrus Wheat and Martin Emerson. Mm-hmm. They might not have the best numbers on the defense, although I think Tyrus Wheat does have the best from a pass rushing standpoint. But they did a whole lot for the defense that you didn't notice. I mean, you you hardly ever noticed Martin Emerson. Mm-hmm. We noticed him against Alabama and Auburn, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. You didn't hardly see him the rest of the year, and that's because he was shutting down his, his side of the field. There's there's um, nobody that there's there's nobody defensively for state that just put up monster stats. It was a real team effort over there. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Basketball question from Micah Halfacre: Which player will make the biggest impact this season off the bench? 
Cam Matthews. Cam Matthews. Yeah, I was about to say. I feel like that's yeah, just pretty, pretty easy. defensive defensive effort, especially. And then now he's he's starting to become a better offensive player as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, th- I think he's that's probably going to be your answer. I agree. Uh, Richard Harbison, what's our favorite Christmas movie? We went over that last week, but for for me, it's a Christmas story, and for you, it's it's Vacation, right? Yes. I mean, I just I watched I watched it the other night. You just can't go wrong with those. Biggest disappointment, biggest surprise for the past football season. I think the biggest surprise is Will Rogers. I mean, I, I thought he would break Dak's record. I did not know he was going to to be close to five thousand yards the way he's going to finish the season. Yeah, the production there has been really good. Uh, early in the season, it was kind of worrisome. I mean, we had several conversations about how boring the offense looked and how it, you know, it was really something that needed kind of to be revamped a little bit. But it's it, it really just took time. It just took time for everybody to get comfortable and for Will Rogers to get comfortable out there. And at this point you have a lot of confidence that this offense is going to be really good in the conference. So, I, you know, yeah, I think that that could be up there for the biggest surprise. Um, disappointment, I guess special teams would be, the, would be that for me because they were pretty good last year and they were solid like in the first couple of games. You had the big returns from Tula Griffin mm-hmm. – and then they just completely tanked. I, you know, it's just was it was something every single week. It seemed like something else came up for Mississippi State special teams. That'd probably be my answer uh, for the biggest disappointment. I hate to single out a player, but Aaron Brulee did not have a great year, and that's a guy that I thought would, could be an All SEC guy. And he just he I don't know what happened, but he did not play like he played last season. He just did. So that that might be the guy for me there. He seemed to be better as the year. He got a little on. better, but it just it was not what we projected. I don't think. No. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, rem- I was I was thinking preseason that he was getting snubbed on some yeah. all SEC things. I was completely wrong on that. Yeah. Brian McDuff, which of these would you take? A win against Ole Miss, so we're tied with them for second in the West and with the egg at eight and four, five and three, or wins against LSU, Arkansas, and Memphis. We're tied with Ole Miss for second in West, but we lose to the Egg Bowl 10-2, and 6-2. and two. So, rather, so I guess the question is, it's pretty simply, are you willing to, you know, have a better season, but you lose to Ole Miss? Which of those would you rather have? Well, you won 10 games. I mean, that's a, that's a yeah. big deal. That's only happened, what, twice, yeah. three times? Basically, this question is, would you rather have 2010 or 2014? When you talk about it, and I'm we not talk, talking about we talk no, more. We talk more about 2014 than we did 2010. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about going to number one. I'm just talking about, you know, the results of the season. I mean, State would be – where would they be right now? They would be top 15 for sure. If they had beaten Ole Miss, they would be unranked. I don't know about 15. From unranked, 10 and two? Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about this, this is the first scenario. Eight and four, uh, they beat Ole Miss. They're probably 16th, 17th, which would put them in, in line to, to go to the Sugar Bowl if Alabama wins, but probably headed to the Citrus Bowl. Well, you would, you, you would only have two less wins, right? 
Mm-hmm. From ten and two to eight and four. Right. I so mean, at ten and two, it, it would actually in McDuff's scenario here, ten and two, you lose to Alabama and Ole Miss. So you were ten and one coming into the Egg Bowl. That would be a painful loss. That'd be a painful loss, but man, ten. You still got to take it though. Ten and two, you're going. You're going to the Fiesta Bowl. You got to take that. Yeah. You would have more momentum, I feel like, at at this point at eight and four, because at that point you said, okay, all of all of our struggles came in the first part of the season. Right, I agree. But you're just coming off a ten win season in this Mike Leach year two, and you say, okay, we just lost to Ole Miss, but Ole Miss is losing Matt Corral and all that. I, you got to take ten and two. I agree. There's no, there's no question. Uh, let's see here. Hunter Bolin has a transfer portal question, so we already sort of answered that. Uh, let's see here. Scott wants to know from me, Ryan, working right outside of Cheers many years ago, what's the craziest thing you saw happen there in the store or in the parking lot? I have two two stories. One's not really that crazy. One's just sort of funny. One is actually crazy. Uh, so we used to, you know, Papa John's used to sell pizza at the stadium. And they would deliver the st- the pizzas to the stadium in these big wooden uh, boxes, right? That had wheels on them. I mean, these boxes were probably six feet by three feet. I, I don't know. They were big, right? And they they weren't cheap to put together. Well, we would always we would have them on Saturdays, just sitting in front of the store. We didn't have the store in space in the, in the restaurant to store them, so they would just sit out front. Well, people from Cheers would come by and just sit on. Them. And so it was like our, our thing, right? You just have to come back like, hey, you can't sit on me. Some people were nice about it. Some people weren't. Whatever. One night, the bar lets out, and I mean, it's just crazy, and people are just sitting on them. There's like a bunch of people sitting on them. At that moment, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Raymond Gee came in and wanted a pizza. I was like, Raymond, would you like a free pizza? He's like, yeah. I was like, go out there and get those people off the uh, – those boxes for me. And he walks outside and bows up. Don't get off those boxes. <laughs> and everybody scattered. I was like, what do you want? And I hooked him up. <laughs> the craziest thing I ever had happened. So, you know, Papa John's back then didn't close until 4 a.m. Because, I mean, they would stay open super late, right? So one Saturday, we're closed. We're cleaning up. The dumpster's around back of the building. So you got to take the trash and walk around back, right? As I'm as I'm walking with a couple other guys, we're taking out the trash. I hear somebody banging on the Cheers door. Help! Help! This girl had passed out in the bathroom, and nobody checked the bathroom before they left, and so she was just locked in Cheers. Oh my god! At four in the morning, and like God knows how long she'd been banging on the door, but nobody had noticed her. Said so she just woke up and realized where she was, and. So we had to call. I think we found one of the bartenders. We had one of his phone numbers. This is, you know, like 1995. Nobody's got a cell phone with everybody's contacts in or anything. Just like somebody's like, I I know so-and-so's phone number. I'll call him. And they come up there and let her out. And all I'm thinking is, lock me in a bar for a weekend. They'd have come in on Monday morning and found like a bunch of open beer bottles. And I'd have cooked a couple of their steaks, too. And watched football (laughs) all day on Sunday. But I'll never forget that as long as I live. I never saw Cheers. Never? That was way before my time. Oh, you missed out, man. It's good times. Here's a good question from Carson Lyon, who wants to know, 
As Thanksgiving has come and gone too fast, leftovers are dwindling. Why is dressing never made at other times of the year? As a top three Thanksgiving side dish, I can only wonder why it isn't a regular practice. Yeah, you're a big dressing guy. Uh, depends on who's cooking it. So if the dressing is good, you're good. If the dressing is good, absolutely. Okay. So, and you know, some people can it can get dry. Oh yeah, it can absolutely crumbly. Yeah, like yeah. I, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Well, when I you start with cornbread, that's sort of a problem sometimes. You know. Yeah, I won't mind to be thick. Two C's. Thick. Yeah. I mean, this is the this is the problem that turkey has too, right? Turkey is good, but people only eat it on the holidays. Very rarely do you eat turkey, unless you go to Texas when it's on every menu. When you go to barbecue restaurants, that's like another turkey. that's another thing. Like turkey can can be screwed up. It can be screwed up very easily. You got to know what you're doing with turkey. No question. When it's really dry, it's really bad. I I, I recommend eating. People should make dressing once a month. Why not? It's good. I, you know, there, there are places. Uh, breakfast, blue plate places that do it. Breakfast Club has dre- chicken dressing. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that place for their blue plate is always offered chicken and dressing. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're in the South, mm-hmm. it's common to have that year-round. And it's called stuffing, but there is a fast food sort of reason. It's stovetop stuffing. is that's It's dressing. It's the northern crappy is stuffing is Stuffing and dressing is, is kind of different, is it not? They're well, not here's the exact the same thing. Like, stuffing means it went into the bird, hence it's stuffed. Right. Dressing is cooked separately, but stovetop stuffing is it's called dressing. stuffing, but it's technically stovetop dressing. Gotcha. That's how I would look at that. Dub asks, how smart is Lane Kiffin with the trolling job he did before and after the Egg Bowl? Complimenting Lynch and has tweeted out twice since about being 2-0 and o against us, but good luck in our bowl game. The new toxic way is to backhand compliment us. It's easy to do those things when you win. Yes. I mean, I, I, I love uh, I, I love Keith Carter coming out. Yes, we need, to, we need to act right here and everybody have a good – no. Whenever, you're, whenever your Twitter account's tweeting out Beat State with cows out there and you got, you know – uh, you're tweeting these funny tweets, you know, Lane Kiffin saying he hates cowbells, stuff like that. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you've you've disqualified yourself from being. I agree. You know, this you, you, you just go all in. Just stop. Stop and, all this stuff like, you know, we're going to be above that. No, you're not. None of this would be happening if they had lost. We wouldn't be seeing Lane Kiffin talking about good luck in their bowl game, Mississippi State. No, you know it's just because absolutely not. They yeah. they know what they're doing again. Though. And now when Lane they Kiffin, lose, it'll it'll flip back around to this is too toxic. Lane Kiffin is now becoming Hugh Freeze too on Twitter. He's now tweeting out inspirational tweets. Let's hope it ends the same way. Oh, uh, Chase wants to know what are your thoughts on the possession arrow in college basketball? Would you change the jump ball rule? If so, how? The alternating possession arrow is the is the dumbest rule in college basketball. Do you agree? Um, I can think of some other rules that are that are pretty bad. But college basketball, what? Give me, give me one example. I want. I'd be interested. I mean, I'm legitimately interesting because I can't stand the alternating possession era. Well, I, I guess this isn't just an officiating rule, but I hate the twenty minute halves. That's a good point. I agree with that. Yeah, I would much rather change it to ten minute quarters. Yeah. The flow of women's basketball so much better. games are so much better. It's because there's not – you don't have six minutes at the end of the second half where it's just foul, 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 foul. Exactly. Exactly. So that that would be my 
that would be the thing I'd want to change the most. I would change the jump ball rule to just be a jump ball the way the yeah, NBA like does. the NBA does. Yeah, and if it's you got to be fun. You got a center against the point guard. Well, get up there, big man. We'll see what happens. That'd be fun. Yeah. Jay in Baltimore, you're not going to believe this. He has a baseball question. Brent Rooker made arguably the biggest jump from one year to the next in Diamond Dog history. Who do you feel will make the biggest jump in 2022? Not necessarily to Rooker's level, but to from their current baseline. I bet we have the same guy on this one. Go ahead. Um, gosh, I don't really... Ooh, I don't really know. You go. You go ahead, and I'll, I'll think Clark. of mine. Yeah, I guess he. I mean, he kind of. I mean, he kind of was showing it late, but yeah, yeah. I but mean, for the I, season, I could see he that. Had, what like two forty with five or six or seven home runs, something like that. I think yeah. this year to be well over three hundred and double digit home runs. I guess I was trying to think of a pitcher. A pitcher, okay. Um, Casey Hunt. Casey Hunt could be that guy. Yeah. Could be that he guy. He could make a Alan huge job. Henry Pennington asked, some Ole Miss fans said that we, Mississippi State was doing the fake injuries in the fourth quarter, too. I did not notice it, or was I just too overcome with grief? I didn't notice it. They had some guys go down, but it was like during plays. Yeah, I saw Colin Duncan start limping almost immediately after he missed a tackle and go down. If they're going to call that, I mean. But Crumity – yeah, Jane Cromedy did it too, but he did it on two straight plays. Like yeah. he was actually hurt. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's nothing that compares to just dropping after looking at the sidelines for 15 and seeing seconds. your coach saying "drop, drop." Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, now we have film of Lane Kiffin doing it. And it's really pathetic. It is. It is. It is bad. And I just didn't understand doing it. it was my thing. Like, what? Why are they even doing it? Because there was no need. Yeah, the, the, they were up thirty. The last drive was was annoying. It was annoying to watch that happen. I think they were doing it on purpose. They I th- were. I think I think he was doing that he on was purpose. Trolling again. Sheldon Nations, what are your favorite Jackie-ish clips? Jackie. <laughs> were you a big fan of the show? Yes. Do you have a f- couple favorite clips? I never um, really watched the show. You know, I always always liked the uh the one whenever Johnny Knoxville dressed up as a old man. Yeah. Yeah. That and um, you know the like the the stuff with like Party Boy mm-hmm. was always funny to me. Like I would always try to reenact that <laughs> when I was in school. <coughs> and, uh, uh, go ahead. When they went to the golf course and they were blowing the air horn. When people oh were, God, yes, that's a good one. Uh, he was like, he was like, why are you blowing that horn? He was like, I have bursitis. I forgot about that. My favorite ones are from the movie. Uh, the High Five is a great one. Uh, the the one where they, I don't know why it's so funny, but watching them stand in front of that mine, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I think it's in the third memory. movie where they, it's, a, it's a thing that they put in front of embassies. It shoots out rubber pellets at an incredibly high rate of speed. And it's him and Bam and the, uh, the other guy whose name I forget. And I mean, they just they have welts on them like the size of of a of a good size hailstorm thing, a piece of hail. And it's just all over them. It's incredible. It takes them out. But my favorite is the 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 B limousine. Do you remember that one? Uh uh-uh. uh So it's Bam and, J- and and Johnny, 
And the other guys, Wee Man, Steve-O, and I forget who the other guy's name is. I cannot remember. They're in a limousine, and they pull up to Chris the thing. Pontius? Maybe. Yeah. I think that's right. Anyway, they pull up in this limousine, and Bam and Johnny are already there. And the window, the top window was open on the limousine, and they dump like 500 bees into the limousine. Oh, my gosh. And it's locked. Dude, that's dangerous. It is. It's locked, so they can't get out, right? And then they they have the thing timed to set where one of the doors will unlock, but they pour just a boatload of marbles in front of the door. So as soon as they get out, they're all slipping on the marbles trying to get away from the beads. It's just, it's just really funny. When I was in high school, my friends and I did our own show. Oh God, we filmed it live. Um, and we would like, I had, my house was a, my, um, the roof of my house on the front end was like kind of slanted down. It was probably like five, six feet off the ground mm-hmm. and went up. And so like, we would do things like get on a scooter and ride down the, uh, roof of the house. Oh my, you're lucky. Jump into the concrete. We, should- we, we did it on the pool house of, uh, where my pool was. Mm-hmm. And we would come, we would, you know, do flips off the pool house into the pool. Uh, it, we did some, we did this thing called the, uh, the circle of death. And it was like, <laughs> we like put bottle rockets in a circle or something and they would just shoot and hit people. That was kind of stupid, but the other stuff was actually dangerous that we did. Yeah. That's hilarious. You're lucky to be alive. Winston Smith. Some stupid stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what being young's about. Winston Smith, will 2018 Mississippi State ironically turn out to have been Dan Mullen's best chance at a national title? Uh I mean I don't know if he would have won the title. Yeah. But they would have been top ten. So Clemson won that year, right? Yeah, it was it Clemson Bama? Yeah, that's that's Trevor Lawrence's freshman year. So yeah. 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 So, state that year, if with Mullen, they obviously beat Florida. I'm pretty sure they beat LSU because that game, if you recall, LSU only scored one touchdown in the game, and it was on an incredible three-play, three-yard drive after a, a Fitzgerald interception. Yeah, I through, almost they, threw a pick six. Yeah, yeah, they got taken down to the three. And state almost kept them out of the end zone. And the rest of it was just field goals. And State couldn't do anything offensively in that game but they because they wouldn't run. Fitzgerald threw four picks that night. Um, Kentucky, I know, and you and I talked about this the other day. I know it finished 28-7, but it was 14-7 going into the fourth. And again, Moorhead just refused to run the football. Just refused to run it. I think that game's different with Dan Mullen. Yeah, call. I think Mullen's saying we're just going to run the zone, zone read. Well, because it was raining that night. I mean, you just run the football. And then, so you have Alabama. State lost that game 24-0. But that was the lowest that Alabama was held in points all year long. Um, I don't know that State would have won that game, but they I, State had a legit chance to be 11-1 and one and be in the access bowls and have an incredible season if Mullen had stayed. And that game, that Alabama game kind of turned early. You know, they had the fumble in the first possession that they, mm-hmm. they said wasn't a fumble. Of course. They would have had the ball inside Bama territory right away. Yeah. They had the pass interference call on yep. uh, Dedrick Thomas. It was yeah. ridiculous. Blocking the back, yeah. Yeah, uh, blocking the back. That's right. Yeah, it should have been uh, first and so, goal one. I mean, those plays were huge. And after that, you just you just give up on offense. Yeah, exactly. But the defense was, like, incredible that day because that was 
that was one of the better offenses in SEC history. They were the first team to, had, to get a pick off of Tua that year. I mean, they had Tua, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, mm-hmm. Devontae Smith. Um, who was running back then? Josh Jacobs. Uh, yeah, he would. He was like the third guy though. Damian Harris. Damian Harris. There. Yeah. I mean, that offense was sick. Yeah. And state, state. That's how good that defense was, man. I don't think. Yeah. People can just wrap their mind around that. If they had done anything offensively in that game, they probably hold Alabama to seventeen. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a I wrote a column in that game about the defense. That was my takeaway from the game, not the offense. Mm-hmm. What the defense did, because that was like the lowest total I think of the year for Alabama. Oh, it was. Second it was. No, it was the lowest I think. All right, Justin Strawn has our next questions. Uh, well, before we do that, let's uh, let's move on into the second half of the show, and that's brought to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that if you head over to their Facebook page, please drop it a like while you're there, but there's where you can vote for the best burger and the best steak in the state of Mississippi. So whatever your favorite burger place is, be it a hometown place or a place you've traveled to, wherever it is in our great state, you can vote for them and you can get them a lot of great publicity, which they probably deserve. And remember, anything you're looking for for beef, if you want to find out more about our beef providers here in our state, 15,000 of them doing work here in Mississippi, order some great recipes for your favorite cuts of beef. They've got them at msbeef.org. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks for the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats, smoked southern soul food. It just sounds so great. You think about Two Brothers and the first thing you think is barbecue. And yeah, their barbecue is some of the best around. But there's a lot more than that on the menu at Two Brothers, and they have it every day. They've always got great specials. You should always ask what those are. And, of course, if you just want to go in there and have a great time, have a couple of drinks and, and some wings, they're there for you on that as well. So head to the heart of the Cotton District. Enjoy some great food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Advantage Business Systems makes your business plans really, really easy. They, they, they've been doing the same thing for 46 years plus now. And it's, it couldn't get any simpler. Offer your customers the best selection of products and services and offer them incredible customer service. That's a two-way plan for success. You just can't beat it. And it's why Advantage Business Systems has been in business for as long as they have. They're a Mississippi business. They're your next door neighbors. They want to help you. Give them a call today and find out what they can do for you. The number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Justin Strawn, 4.54 a.m. Eh, a little early. little early. A little early. Having lost the Egg Bowl, how much more important is winning the bowl game? It's crucial. The difference between 8-5 and five and 7-6 and six is just massive, isn't it? Yeah. They need to win that bowl game. Um, I mean, the bowl game is so big for – the practices are big, and that, that's, that's, the, that's the real big thing for you, but – Getting that momentum going into the offseason is huge. And so many times we've seen State lose the Egg Bowl and then go lose the bowl game. You need to win this game. It, 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 you have momentum right now, and you, you struggled in the Ole Miss game, but you can kind of chalk that up to, you know, just, you know, it was rainy and your guys just didn't execute or whatever. You finished four and two. You got a chance to, fin- to win five out of your last seven games here, win eight games, which doesn't get done you know, all the time here at Mississippi State. So I, I think this is big. I think it's a really big game for Mississippi State, and they need to finish the job this year. I agree. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Just like I said, a perception deal, seven and six, especially when Ole Miss is likely to be 11 and two. 
eight and five versus seven and six is just incredibly massive. You know, seven and six is a great record when you go to the Egg Bowl. It's five and six. Yes. You're five and six. You got to win the Egg Bowl. You go to six and six. Then you go to seven and six. Everybody's happy. Two game winning streak. Nobody's happy on a two game losing streak. Eight and five is crucial for Mississippi State. Uh, we already asked answered that question about Oklahoma, and I got to be honest with you. He asked about the new Ghostbusters movie. I've only seen the first two. I didn't see the, the 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 first remake, and I haven't seen this new one yet. Have you? I have not. Okay, so we can we'll just skip it because we can't really answer the question. Then. Uh here we are. Ford Polk. In hindsight, is Canizero getting? What uh, was he talking about? The movies, ranked The movies or the actual Ghostbusters? It said movies, right? Oh no, rank the four original Ghost. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Never mind. We will rank those guys then. All right, you go ahead. From worst to best? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, so I feel like they're going to be one and two for me. Okay. Um. I'm going to say Ernie Hudson's probably going to be last. What's his character's name? Winston. Winston. Um, and then I'm going to go Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. Okay. I don't remember all their names. I do, so we're just going to go with that. Okay, uh, well, what are you going with? I'm going to go with Aykroyd's character, Ray Stance, last, although he is really funny. I feel like that's he's sort of like he's sort of the glue guy, but not particularly overly impressive. Number three for me is Egon. I love Egon, uh, the smartest guy in the room kind of thing going on there, uh, and but sneaky funny, you know. And Harold Ramis obviously is hilarious, but he does a great job of playing the funny guy who isn't trying to be funny. Winston is number two. The other three guys are all scientists, right? This is what they've been their, their lifelong pursuit. Winston's just a guy looking for a job. Imagine being, imagine taking a job and then you basically have to combat the forces of evil. That takes a rare breed. Not everybody could just do that, you know? So he's number he's number two. Vinkman is number one, Bill Murray. Just hilarious. Bill Murray, one of the funniest guys that ever lived. And he really comes around. The, 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 the scene where he's talking about with the mayor, about the EPA guy, is one of the funniest scenes in the, Yes, it is true. This man has no, and I can't say it. So, a lot of that was a lot of what he did was ad lib. That's what's impressive about that. Okay, next questions are from Ford Polk. Is Canizero getting fired the best thing that could have happened to Mississippi State baseball? I, I think I don't think that's the correct answer. I don't really know because it, it felt like he was kind of a superstar in the making. Yes. I mean, we heard some rumblings after he was fired. You know, there was some like some dissension maybe in the locker room. Some players didn't. But I think that was like him at that for point. being distracted, though. I think right, a fully right. locked in Canizero with the way he was going to recruit. I don't know that we State would have won the national championship last season, but one was coming. I mean, you you look at it. Mm-hmm. He got Tanner Allen. Mm-hmm. He got. Um, Kellum Clark, mm-hmm. Logan Tanner, guys like that. I mean, he 
He recruited Austin Hendrick, who ended up getting drafted very early. He was recruiting at a as as high a level as Mississippi State's recruited. Yeah, and I, that was only going to get bigger because he was coaching to that ballpark. Yeah, he had not he had not been he able never to, got the, to coach he, in that the, ballpark yet. Exactly, exactly. So, and but I, you know, I think that Chris Lamonis is a perfect fit for Mississippi State. He can recruit really well, mm-hmm. but I think the difference is going to be the the fact that he is a great game manager, a great program guy. He is the total package. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like he he checks all the boxes. Andy Canizero checks most of them, and you don't know about a few things. Chris Lamonis checks them all. So I, th- I feel like John Cohen nailed it with that hire. And I, I don't think that – I still don't think that gets enough credit. And especially, you know – we got to give. We got to start giving John Ke- John Cohen a lot more credit now. Seeing what Julie Darty's doing, yeah. you know, Mike Leach is starting to have success. So we're starting to move away from John Cohen don't know what he's doing to he, he's he's starting to get right here. Right, I agree. But that I, I feel like it's short sighted to say Canizzaro wouldn't have gotten things going. I think he I, a fully locked in and engaged and doing the right things. Andy Canizzaro would have been a fantastic coach for Mississippi State. I don't think that's a, that's a question for me. How often has your NFL team and your college team been good at the same time? You probably have had more of this. The Steelers have been good for longer than the Saints. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen a whole lot, though. What's the, what's the best year you can remember for both teams? Uh, I'm trying to remember what the Steelers did in 2014. I think back then they had – um, Le'Veon Bell and I want to say they had Le'Veon Bell and um, Antonio Brown. That team went eleven and five. They won the North and they lost in the wild card to the Ravens. Okay. Yeah. So that I mean that that might be it. So um, two thousand nine, they went to the Super Bowl. State was not great. Yeah, but they won the Egg Bowl that year. Two thousand four. Oh no! Got nope. It. Or two thousand five. One oh, of those. Nope. No, yeah. <laughs> so the same um, Super Bowl year was also oh nine for me. So that would have been a, a year for State that they weren't great. Uh, Ten, the Saints lost in the wild card round. Was the wild card round? Yeah, to the Seahawks with the uh, beast mode run, and State was nine and four. That might be, might be the one for me. That might be the best year. 2010 was when the um, Steelers went to the, to the Super Bowl. So that's a good year for for uh, state too. So yeah, so I that mean, I mean that might be up there. Yeah. 2010, 2014 is probably going to be. I agree. Alexandra Watson says, "Happy birthday!" Thank you, Alexandra. Uh, if someone gave you a thousand dollars to buy yourself a birthday present, what would it be? So a thousand is like right on the. It's sort of the line between I can buy a really nice gift. And I can buy something crazy. You can't buy anything crazy with a thousand, but you buy a really nice gift for it, right? So, what are you thinking here? I mean, at that, it's probably like jewelry or something, like a Rolex. Not maybe not a Rolex. It's probably more than that. Mm-hmm. But something like that, maybe. I'm trying to think of something that would be a thousand dollars. A trip, vacation, a PS5. Is it a thousand bucks? <laughs> 
That's what I'm looking at on Walmart.com. Oh, my God. Let's uh, see here. I won't be getting a gaming console anytime soon. If you want to buy directly from... Well, no, I take it back. It's only $4.99 on PlayStation.com. So okay. So 500 bucks there. And then how much is, let's say, a really good TV? You, you probably get, a, get some you get a 70-inch deals. Yeah, you can get a 70-inch TV for four, for $400. So yeah, I'm going to buy a PS5 and a big TV. I want to I was watching Secession last night and um one of Logan Roy's sons, Connor, the oldest one, he had what looked to have been a 150-inch TV. Gosh, Maybe I, larger than that. That point's a movie screen. It right? took up the entire wall. And I, yeah. like I, that, was a, that just popped to me, and I was like, I want that. Yeah. So I think I might go with that. that that's probably a little more than 1000 though. It's probably not much more, though. I mean, like I said, you can get 70-inch TV for $400. So, I mean, a 150-inch TV is probably, only, probably close to a grand, yeah. You can get some good deals uh, on oh, yeah. TVs around Christmas. Oh, yeah. Last two TVs I've gotten, I've gotten around Christmas for like, you know, under five hundred dollars. Yeah. Winston Kimmel says my full name is Winston Robert Kimmel. What's my old misnet? Okay. I think Kimmel Winston is a Kimmel name. Winston. Yeah, it's yep. a fantastic old misnet. Kimmel Winston the fourth. Yeah, let's put a fourth on there for sure. All right. Uh Pole assassin John Bench. How long? Pole assassin. How long will pole assassin still be relevant? Uh, Robbie, did Jason Mraz write the Winston County alma mater, Winston Academy alma mater? I was getting strong. I won't give up vibes from your rendition a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, no, that thing. That thing dates back to the sixties, I think. Yeah. Luke Hancock's walk up really made me get into Hardy's catalog. I listened to everything he wrote during the last baseball season. Now, anytime I hear a Hardy song, it immediately feels like baseball season again. Do you have any band or artist that takes you to a certain place in time anytime you hear one of their songs? Yeah. Um, you know, when I hear, when I hear um, uh, Omaha, yeah. I, think of, I think of our trip to Omaha that we took. Um, anytime I hear something from like the, the late two thousands, I think of high school, like 50 cent or like anything that was like pop back then. I think, um, Rob Thomas had a song that came out that always reminds me of that time. And then, um, early, my early freshman year, like if I hear cross Canadian ragweed, <laughs> I hear, I think of the uh, state theater. Yeah, that's good. So for me, obviously, if I hear your love, it takes me to baseball. There's just no getting around that. Uh, it's funny that he used the term terminology, certain place and time. Better than Ezra's this time of year is a good senior year of high school, freshman year of college song. Yes. So is uh, Hold Hold My Hand. Yes. Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish is my freshman year of college. Like so my, the, that my time, freshman year of college is three songs to me. It's uh, "Hold My Hand," it's "Hook" uh, by Blues, Blues Traveler. Traveler, and it's uh, uh, "Oh Gosh, You Don't Know How It Feels" by Tom Petty. That takes me back to my first grade year, Brian. Just go to hell, all right? <laughs> straight, straight, straight there. 
It really does though. Like that, like that, that kind of music reminds me of riding around with my sisters in the, uh, in the Mercury mm-hmm. listening to, uh, Ace of, about a Mercury. Ace of bass. Oh gosh. Yeah. I saw the sign boys to then, men. We listened to boys to men. When I was with my older sister, the oldest, we listened to boys to men, uh, faith hill and all that stuff and then the middle sister was blues traveler blessed union of souls <laughs> oh, the um, union of soul hootie you know we had a, we, you know she listened to trisha yearwood and shania yeah. twain too but i i was all over the place when i was riding around with those two and then there's there's like a certain catalog of hip-hop that makes me think we talked about cheers earlier like if i hear uh juvenile or if i hear uh uh what was that song by uh not it was the other guy in in no limit not 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 master p who was the other guy i can't remember that i can't remember what his name was it, it was uh uh shake shake that ace is the name of that song now that i, I, I can't remember who sings that but those songs it was, it was probably on the friday night regrind i got to know who that guy was it wasn't birdman you remember the Friday Night Regrind? I, I do. Mystical. Mystical. Yeah. Oh. Or if I hear, uh, like, re- even Return of the Mac. I know we always make we make that with Danny P nowadays, but that song goes and takes me back to Cheers, too. All right. Uh, Martin Smith. Why do vehicle speedometers show mile per average over 100 when pretty much all of them cut off at 100? I've gotten over 100. You, you gotten over 100? Gotten over a hundred on the in my vehicle. Yeah. Uh yeah, when I had my Pontiac Bonneville whenever I was in high school. Fine. I get on highway hi, highway twenty five, I got up to one twenty and it cut off. So uh, it's another funny Papa John story to me. So y- if you ever worked in a restaurant, you know there are training videos, right? They make you watch yes. these videos. So the, the, I'm watching the one as as the GM, I have to watch them all. So I'm watching the one on delivery and I'm, and I'm sitting there in the office. It's me and one of my, my assistant managers. And we're just sitting there watching this video and they're watching the delivery thing. And it says, you have to check your odometer before every shift, right? You're supposed to know how much your mileage is. So he says, hold up, pause that. And I pause it and we're looking at it. And I was like, why does that guy's odometer go up to 240? And we look and there's a little horse on the, it wasn't an odometer. They showed a picture of a Ferrari tachometer. It's a Ferrari for wow. Papa John's delivery video. I was like, <laughs> who? who? Like, I was like, it says 240. Who's going 240? Like, That's always <laughs> got to deliver me. those pizzas. I man. mean, they got to get there, man, I guess. Uh, Zachary Cooey asked, does the state and Ole Miss get bumped from Thanksgiving with the return of A&M versus Texas? Down the road, that's a possibility. I have been told that the series has definitely been renewed for at least another two games uh, for Thanksgiving, though. I want Friday. Not happening in the next two years. I know, but I want Friday. Yeah. What's worse, also from Zachary, 15-yard penalty for continuing to run the ball if your helmet comes off or the new overtime setup? The new overtime setup is worse to me. I didn't know that was a penalty if you continue to run. I didn't either. Yeah, yeah that overtime setup is stupid. It's just dumb. It's done. I mean, what that doesn't change anything if you're continuing to get two point conversions. You're actually making it easier for somebody to score. 
the percentages of, of getting a two-point conversion is higher than kicking a field goal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what the – I'm not sure what the thinking is there. I mean, that, that you're talking about once in a decade something happening like Texas A&M and LSU did. Yeah, I agree. Maybe once maybe, every two decades. Maybe once every two decades. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, to go to the extent that that one did, I don't think has ever happened. Mm-hmm. But something close to it, it rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really stupid. I hate that rule. I agree. Uh, Mangum Cafe. If Imagine the year is 2018. What is the score of the Tennessee State game? So I went back and looked here. State played an FCS team in 2008. They played Southeastern Louisiana, and they won 34-10. to 10. So something like that probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Again, no, no Croom team ever cracked 40. Now, 2004? Mm-hmm. That might be a, that might well, be a good game. A different story, yeah. Well, different story. Uh, was Florida 2018 the last time Davis Wade was packed out? It was packed in 2019 for the Egg Bowl, wasn't it? Uh, pretty much. There were some empty seats, but for the most part, I mean, it was a really good crowd, I thought, last week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I thought it was a decent crowd. I, I get what he's saying from packed out, though. Like when it was, I, It's been a while since State's had a real sellout. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're going to see a true sellout much anymore. No, I agree with you. At some point, do you think people start scaling down? Yes. I would expect State's next expansion to be sort of what Kentucky did and sort of maybe chair back the stadium, and you cut down your seating capacity, but you give everybody a little bit better experience. I would make it a premium experience Yeah, is what I would do. Experience is more important than capacity right now. Yes. If you want to get people to get off their couch and come up here and pay to park, and have to sit, and it's hot, you got to give them something worth doing. Man, some of the loudest games I've ever been to at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. there was like 35,000, 40,000 people there. Yeah. I mean, it's that you're not going to change the atmosphere um, negatively by doing that. I think you actually make it better. I agree. I agree. If, if, what states, what is it now, like 62 5? Is the total is the listed capacity? You could bring that down to like fifty eight thousand, and it wouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah, I mean that's how many you're. That's as many people as you're getting in there exactly. anyway right now. Exactly. Nobody's coming. Exactly. Tucker Medlin. When people talk about raising expectations or elevating the program, what does that mean? Realistically, can state do better than the five year cycle that y'all talk about? It would requ- for me, and you tell me if you disagree. There were two things would have to happen for state to break out of what we describe as the five-year cycle, where they have one year where they're a 10-win team. The rest of the time, they're between five and eight the whole time. One, you need a T. Boone Pickens. You a lot of money. Somebody, you need somebody to come in and say, here's I mean, not, not a million dollars, not, not $10 million. Here's $500 million. And I want it spent. And they have to be – it can't just be like, I'm giving this to the university. It's I'm going to sit down with John Cohen, and we are going to plan out how we're going to spend this money on football. We are going to put a ton of money into our recruiting. We're going to build world-class facilities where the football team is going to want for nothing. you got to have that first. And then you have to hire a coach who makes recruiting priority one so that you can take advantage of those kind of things. That's how, that's how you do it. Yeah. 
I agree. And I think that is kind of the key for Mississippi State is the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the money that LSU is throwing around. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, Alabama got, could do the same thing. We now have two coaches in the SEC West on 10-year, $95 million fully guaranteed contracts. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, yeah. we, we talked about this the other day. Like, when do you draw the line? Who is going to be the person that says, okay, we're, we're, we're pulling back here? Right. We're going to pay $5 million. We're going to make the five mil. Yeah. What's the number? What's the number? I mean, we're at 9.5. Is it 12? Is it 15? Somebody's I mean, going to be getting paid $15 million, 10, 10 to $15 million to be average. That's the thing. Yeah. Is, and we've talked about that before is I, I, if I had to guess, Pittman's probably the lowest paid coach in the conference in the, in the SEC West, right? Yeah. But he's going to get a big raise now. So let's, let's put him at $5 million, right? Kiffin's going to get a raise this cycle. He's probably going to go up to like $7 million. Uh, Leach is probably going to get a small raise. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at five and a half, maybe even six. Wouldn't be totally surprised. And then you've got Harson, who I, I would assume is probably around three, but we'll see, right? But even then, $3 million is a lot of money. Somebody's going to get paid at least $3 million a year to finish dead last in the SEC West. Yeah. You know, it's not like the, the last place guy is a guy who's making 1.25. Dead last, $3 million might get you dead last in the SEC West. And if you're AM and you don't get things figured out, it could be you at $9.5 million dead last in the SEC West. I mean, I, I know what the market to last than they were to first. Yeah. I know what the market says. I think $5 million is too much for somebody like Mike Leach who's, who's won four and, and seven games. Yeah, but that's what he years. came in at. Right. And, and, and like I said, I know what the market is. That's, that's middle of the pack in the SEC, so I can't blame Mississippi State for that. But that, that used to be like what Nick Saban was making. And now it's, we've jumped up to $10 million. Yeah, Saban came in at four million dollars a year and we all were like that's an incredible amount of money for a college football coach and now it's not even you know it's it's barely even a starting point for a negotiation i mean what was mullen when he was hired like 800 or something yeah, under a million i mean state paid vic schaefer that vic schaefer was almost up to two mil i think he was over two mil actually mm-hmm. yeah a women's basketball coach so that's yeah. but whenever you're making 30 Plus per year, whatever it is on the SEC network or whatever the number is now, uh, you can you can spend that kind of money. Uh, I, I just wish I was getting raises like that. I'm making the same amount of money I was making at the newspaper whenever I came in in 2017, 2015. It would be nice. It'd be nice to get one every year, especially it'd be nice to get one for every year, whether you did a good job or not. Well, there are you coaches who just, just just in the name of recruiting will get an, an extension and a raise just so they can show stability. Yeah, and it's, it's inflation, too. I mean, think about that. Like, so people are making the same amount of money. Like, I am seven years, and we've had, you know, the economy's up and down, gas prices, and I'm making the same money at, at one of my jobs. Yeah. I mean, and that's happened all over the country in places. Yeah. Uh, John Burnett says, Brian Kelly really had a meeting this morning at 7 a.m. Adam Rittenberg reported it lasted 11 minutes. Would you show up to a 7 a.m. meeting after that group chat with public? If not, what's the earliest you'd show up to be told what you already know? 
I'm definitely not showing up at seven. No, that's going to be like, let's meet after lunch. He's going to learn. He's, he's in Baton Rouge now. Yeah. He's going to learn. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I don't even know that I'd show up at all. I mean, like, coach, I know you're leaving. What are you going to do? Make me run. I'm not showing up. So, yeah, screw that. And he stayed for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Which, what's it, what's it going to say? Yeah. All right. Two more questions. One from the Flying M wants us to rank these MSU number 24s. We got some, this is a solid list. Oh, wow. Will Bednar, Jordan Danbury, Anthony Dixon, Cole Gordon, Jeff Malone, Markel Patterson, and Brandon Woodruff. I feel like first and last are easy for me. I mean, full body of work, you got to go Jeff Malone first. Malone's first, and Woodruff didn't have a great college career. So he did not. So he's Yeah, like, Markel Patterson had a better career than he did. But I think he's second to last. Yeah, I'm going to go bottom to top. Okay. Brandon Woodruff, Markel Patterson, Cole Gordon, Jordan Danbury, um, Anthony D- uh, Will Bednar, Anthony Dixon, Jeff Malone. And the reason I went Bednar ahead, I mean, Dixon ahead of, of Bednar mm-hmm. was what he did his entire career. I know Bednar, we were going to remember Bednar for what he did in the College World Series, but I don't think that his full body of work trumps I, uh, ADs. I can't put – I can't get on board with you there. I have to switch those two because being the most valuable player on a national championship team trumps – a couple of egg bowl wins and a bowl a bowl game. I, it just does for well, me. I mean, he is the all time leading rusher in school history at a no, school that's had some really good running. No back. question, no question. But Bednar's contributions to Mississippi State are greater. I'm not going to argue with you on that because I feel like that is something that's never been done before: is win a national championship, and they absolutely do not win it without him. So I will I will give you that. All right. Last one, also from John Burnett. Army and Navy released their uniform designs for this year over the last few days. I think they're incredible. Uniforms aside, I always look forward to this game despite no real rooting interest. What is your level of interest each year in Army-Navy? It's very high for me, and I'll tell you why. I am old, and two teams that are going to run the football like that, I will watch that all day long. Yeah, and I always enjoy when it's snowing. Yes. I mean, it's just such a – Army-Navy is one of the top games in college football year in, year out, regardless of the team. The pageantry, the patriotism, real patriotism. That, those guys, are they are in the military. This isn't bought and paid for patriotism. This is this – is, that is real. Uh, the, the weather and then the, the old-school nature of the game. And then – we talk about State and Ole Miss and the rivalry, and then there'll never be any respect. Real respect. Go over there and listen to the other team's fight song. They're all my modern. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Yep. Nothing. Yeah. And Army I, Navy I is love, a great game. I love the pregame festivities. It's incredible. I mean, you're the, not an American. The national anthem and stuff up. like that is just yeah. like, it'll just, you'll just well, get chill bumps would, all over. The list of college football games I would like to go to. Army Navy is high on the list. I would I would say my top three are Army Navy, not in any particular order. Army Navy, Auburn, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma. Those are my top three. There you go. So, what are you? What about you? If he's any three college football games you can go to, um, I want to go to a Notre Dame game. Okay. I, I don't really care what game it is, but you want to go to a big game, it's like you maybe USC. 
Yeah, but I mean, it, as long as it's a big game, I don't really care who okay. it is. I just want to be in the stadium. Right. I want to go to I want to go to historical spots. Right. Um. You know. So I want to go there. I I, I would enjoy going to an Army Navy game. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I still have not been to LSU. Oh, okay. I, I would I would love to I would love to go to LSU game at night. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. It, just, fair. it never lines up for me to go. I always got to cover a high school game on Friday. We're going to LSU this year, buddy. We're going. In I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. As long as it's a night game, I will go. All right. We'll see you there. All right, guys. Tomorrow's show, we're going to talk recruiting on tomorrow's show. It's time to start putting a little attention on that. Uh, plus, uh, see, that's that's Wednesday for Thursday, so no basketball just yet. But maybe we'll talk a little basketball on tomorrow's show as well. Plenty to talk about, though. Uh, also, we'll, uh, you know, the Connerly Trophy presentation is happening. I actually am heading down there after we wrap up here uh, for Sports Talk. Uh, so maybe we'll talk a little bit about I maybe mean, next year's Connerly, how Will Rogers, he's going to be the odds-on guy for the next two years. So we'll talk about that. All right, guys, have a great uh, Wednesday. Back with you on Thursday. For Robbie Paul, I'm Brian. Hey, Dad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk. Time to play the game! Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.